Let's pray. Lord, we see in your word that you, Lord Jesus, came to give us life and give it to the full. You want us to be happy, joyful, and free, and you want us to help others to find that path, and that path is found through, through you, Lord Jesus, the forgiveness that you bring. Help us to understand what it means to not just receive that forgiveness, but to live in that forgiveness. We pray this in your name. Amen. I want to start out by sharing the main point I want to bring across today. The point is this. Don't treat others the way that they treat you. Treat others the way Jesus treats you. What is the most persecuted religion in the world? What is it? It's actually been in the news a lot lately. Christianity is the most persecuted religion in the world. Over the years, millions of Christians have been killed for their faith. Other parts of the world, even in which we live, Christians are being killed, murdered on a regular basis. Recently, we read about, probably heard about what took place in, in, in Egypt on Palm Sunday, when two Christian churches were bombed and many Christians killed. Images of Christians being killed by different religious groups. Sometimes we see those in the news as well. And that persecution seems to be growing more all the time. You say, we're in America. We're free here, right? Are things changing here? You better believe it. I think it's becoming more and more open season on Christians, even in our country in which we live. This last week I read about a situation that took place a while ago at NAU. A student by the name of Mark Holden. He went to class, and he was sitting in the front, and it was about you know, 10 minutes before the class began, and he took out his Bible. He started reading his Bible before class. And the teacher asked him to leave the lecture hall because she was offended that he was reading the Bible in her class. And he said, I want to read my Bible. And ultimately, he was kicked out of the class for reading his Bible. This was in the news this last week. You think about our secular universities, and more and more, I think what's happening is the indoctrination of our young people about how evil Christianity is from their perspective. My daughter, when she was in college, um, she was in a class, and she'd written a number of papers. She got an A in every single paper. One paper, she put reference to her Christian faith in it, and she got an F. And, you know, I saw the paper. It was probably as good, if not better, than the other ones she wrote. Why? Trying to beat down people that have the Christian belief. You know, from the time of Jesus on, Christianity has been under attack. Why? Because it is the true religion. Okay? The Bible says, in fact, even Revelation talks about the Satan's battle, his war is against who? The Christian church. And so it happens. How do you deal with it? How do we deal with the persecution that we may face in this life? Maybe you've come across persecution for your faith. Even if not, we live in a sinful world because of sin so often we struggle and we suffer and we have challenges. How do we deal with these problems? You see, 1 Peter was written by the Apostle Peter because 
He was addressing Christians that were being persecuted in terrible ways, many of them being killed. How do we deal with these challenges? And I want us to take a look into 1 Peter chapter 2, 19 through 25. I'm going to read through that section again and kind of break it apart a little bit. For it is commendable if a man bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because he is conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. Now, sometimes we suffer for our own mistakes. But Peter's changing the topic here in the second part, saying, you know, it's even more commendable. It's commendable in life if we are doing good for God, doing the right thing, and we suffer. It says, to this you were called. We were called to what? To suffer. Because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. Leading people to follow Jesus. That's our mission. Leading people to follow Jesus. It's a tough task. If you follow Jesus, what's going to happen sometimes? You're going to suffer. It's going to be tough sometimes. Here's an example. He committed no sin. In other words, he never did anything wrong, ever. And no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. When Jesus was dying on the cross, and all those people all around him, many of them put him on that cross. Many of them mocking him, making fun of him, even as he's dying a terrible, agonizing death. What did he do? Did he want to retaliate? Did he shout curses at them? No. He looked at them and said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. He loved them. goes on, instead, he entrusts himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. He shows us an example of how to deal with suffering. He loved the people that were causing him to suffer. But he did something even greater. Perfect, sinless, without sin, he became the perfect sacrifice for our sins and even for those who put him on that cross. He took our sins upon himself on that cross that we can be free of sin. The way to heaven is open. We cannot earn our way to heaven. Our sin blocks away. Jesus came to take that sin away that we can live forever. That's love. That's amazing love. Then verse 25. For you were like sheep going astray. Anybody understand that? Do we sometimes go astray, go the wrong way? But now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. I see three main points in this that I want to make sure we take with us today. The first is this. We were called 
We were called to suffer. That sound good? Hey, we want you to join our church. And if you join our church, um, you're going to suffer. I want to sign right up for that, right? Maybe you shouldn't maybe do it in the first introductory class. But the reality is this, and I've seen this in ministry. Usually when a church is doing the right thing, what happens? Challenges. Satan's going to attack. But yet, let's be honest, we live in a society, we live in a world where people want to be comfortable. We want to have a bubble. We don't want the world to bother us. We want to be safe. We want to be cozy. We want to be secure. And there's some preachers out there that feed that same type of baloney, which is not in the Bible. Hey, if you follow Jesus, you're going to be healthy and wealthy and rich and everything's going to be great. Is that really how it works? Think about the disciples. How are their lives? Cozy, comfortable? Almost every one of them died for their faith. Except for John. He took care of Jesus' mom, and then ultimately, he's, the last part of his life, he's banned on the island of Patmos like an Alcatraz. History also says he was boiled in boiling oil and miraculously survived. They were called. And you think about the people that have made the greatest difference in the world. They sacrificed a lot. You think about Martin Luther as we come upon the the 500th anniversary of of the Reformation. Did he have a cozy, comfortable life? He was attacked from, from every side. You know, the Christians... They were um, that Peter is writing to. These Christians were, were being killed um, by the, the Roman government, and they were being attacked by the, the, the Jewish people at that time, too, that were working with the Roman government to get them killed. In fact, Paul was doing that before he became a Christian. Even some of their family members would turn them over to be killed, sometimes in the Colosseums, under Emperor Nero, who was the emperor at the time of this writing. A terrible persecution against Christians. It's not going to always be easy. And you know what? Let's be honest. In your life, when have you grown the most? When things were comfortable? When things were smooth? No. I can honestly say, for me, through the difficult, the challenging times, I have grown the most. And I can understand what Paul says in Romans 5, 3 through 5, I rejoice in my suffering because suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us. Those words are so true. My friends, we're called to get outside of the comfort zone of our bubbled lives so often. We're called to get out there and get involved in the lives of more people. Sometimes it's going to hurt. And sometimes there's going to be suffering. The example that we see is in Jesus. It's the example that Jesus showed. You know, he went. i got to be honest. Christianity in America is struggling. Why is Christianity in America struggling? Because Christianity in America is, is losing track of what Jesus said. He said, what, stay and make disciples? Is that what he said? Stay cloistered in just a, a church building and just kind of then incognito go out and just kind of live your lives the rest of the week like, and let no one know that you're a Christian but then just kind of gather the next week with your fellow believers? Is that what Jesus said? He said, go. 
Go and make disciples. A lot of people, it's like, I go to church. Describe your church. They describe a building. No. We're the church. And the church is meant to engage with the world. Sometimes it's going to be challenging, and Jesus engaged. His ministry was out there, going from place to place. The more you study his life, you realize how organized he really was, as far as even before he went to the various towns, he had a group of 72 in addition to 12. He sent them out ahead of time to prepare for his arrival in various towns and villages. And he engaged with people, and he was persecuted. And sometimes it got really tough, but ultimately his journey led him to a cross where he experienced the most painful form of death invented by mankind, but yet willingly on that cross, he gave his life. And as he gave his life in the midst of all that pain and suffering, love kept pouring down. He didn't treat people the way they treated him. He had his own way of treating people with love, compassion, forgiveness. That's the example we're called to live by. This past week, a very dear member who was regular for many, many years in this service, Bill Lixon, he went to be with Jesus. I know Bill for the last 10 years. I know Bill, he, sometimes he went through challenging times and a lot of times went through good times, but for those of us who know Bill Lixon, and you think about when you looked at him, what was on his face? What was it? Smile positive, happy, joyful. It's fun being around him. That's contagious. And the more that Jesus becomes a part of our life, the more that's going to happen naturally. And when the people in the world see that, even in the face of suffering, it's like, wow, I want to have some of that. This last week I heard a story about a um, pastor who, when he... He was young, as he was growing up, his, his family got in a car accident, he was hit by a train, the car was, and he survived, but his parents and two sisters died in the crash. He was raised um, by various family members, and he became a believer, became a pastor, but he, he was, you know, he, he could have been a lot better, because there's something holding him back in his life, and what was holding him back was his anger. This anger at the conductor who, who drove that train because he learned after time that the guy made a mistake and pushed a wrong button and the train went in the wrong track and hit the car. He was carrying his bitterness for nearly 40 years. He was at a small church and one day the, uh, one of his members who was a nurse at a hospital calls up and says, Pastor, there's a guy in the hospital who's dying. He doesn't have a church and he's, he's dying he's he really wants to talk to a pastor. Would you be willing to come and talk to him? He says, okay. He drives there, and he drives through a huge storm. It took a long time to get to the hospital. He finally gets there, and he walks in the room and begins to kind of have some small talk with the guy because he doesn't know him. He's just trying to break the ice a little bit, and they talk for a while, and then the pastor says, do you have something you want to talk about? The guy says, pastor, I, I do. I really do. I've been carrying something for over 40 years. And I can't forgive myself, and I don't think God's ever going to forgive me for what I've done. And I know I don't have much time left, and I just, I just really, just really need some help. You see, I was a train conductor 
And 40 years ago, it was between Christmas and New Year, and me and my friends have been drinking, and I shouldn't have been driving that train. And as we went along, I hit a wrong button, putting the train on the wrong track, a track I shouldn't have been on. And the train hit a car and killed a husband, a wife, and two girls. And I've never been able to forgive myself. The pastor begins to, to cry and says, that was my mom and dad, and that was my sisters. And he just felt the presence of God hit him. And he finally, he, just, he says, I forgive you. And if I can forgive you, I know, I know that God will forgive you too. And he embraced him. And on that day, two people were set free. Two people that for 40 years had been held back. And that guy in the hospital, the cancer took him, but he died peacefully, knowing that Jesus had forgiven him. And for that pastor, he left having let go of something that was holding him back for over 40 years. And he went on to have a much better life and become a much more effective pastor. Set free by the power of what? Forgiveness. The power of forgiveness is so huge. And my friends, that's what leads us to that third and final and very important point. To return to Jesus. Return to Jesus, our shepherd. The one who came to give us life and give it to the to the full. He wants the best for us. And he wants us to live in his forgiveness, but not just to live in his forgiveness, but freely share that forgiveness in no matter what the situation, that we are not about judging, we are not about getting revenge. Our whole focus in life is one-fold. Love. Love and forgive. And that's the difference between freedom and bondage. And Jesus wants us to be free. So I pray that there's some, anybody here today that's been holding on to something for years, that today's the day you let it go. You give it to Jesus. Maybe there's someone you need to go and talk to to resolve it. Because Jesus wants you to be free. And in closing, there is one main point for us to remember today. Don't treat others the way they treat you. Treat others the way Jesus treats you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you are a shepherd. You have brought us into this flock. You are an example for us. And because of your sacrifice, we are forgiven the way to heaven is open. But Lord, so often in life when people do things to us or they attack our faith, we, we want to fight back so often with anger and, and hatred and revenge, but that's not what you want, Lord Jesus. You want us to live in love, to live in forgiveness. Lord Jesus, by the power of your Spirit, fill us with that love even more because that's the answer for life. You desire for people to be with you forever. You desire for people to have a great life even now. But the key is in forgiveness. The forgiveness you share with us and the ability to forgive others.
Lord, help us to treat people not in the way that they treat us. Help us to treat people the way you treat us. We pray this in your name. Amen.